we're back with a brand new episode of Some Bases Covered. Before we get into it today, I have a message from our sponsorship station. When it comes to running online businesses, your shipment department is not the place to start cutting corners. That's why we put the Woodcarver Enterprise in charge. And when it comes to saving money as a small business owner, every little bit helps. So worry less about the bottom line when you're saving money with the Woodcarver Enterprise. Go to thewoodcarver.com and use the promo code SOMEBASISCOVERED and sign up for a free 60-day trial. Thewoodcarver.com, promo code SOMEBASISCOVERED, and sign up today. Thanks guys, let's get back into the podcast. Some big French uh, newspaper magazine or something, they want to follow me around for like two days and do a whole profile on me and the channel. Yeah, it's just weird. Weird. Getting popular, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I guess, but, How are you handling that? I'm just, you know, taking it day by day. I, it's it's weird to me. I, I have uh, it's it's weird to have people like show interest in me. If that sounds mm-hmm. weird, because that's your that's job me. normally. Huh? you show interest in yeah. people, and suddenly there's interest in you, and the cameras on you. Like that's like a kind yeah. of like, turning like, the tables. I go to the gym every morning. I went there, it was yesterday morning, I was there and I looked like a homeless person. I didn't have my dentures in, so I had no teeth in. And these two like attractive girls ran up to me and be like, oh my God, we watch you on YouTube. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. You're a celeb now. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it takes some getting used to. Um, it's, mm-hmm. uh, I get there, it's just uh, it's a little mm-hmm. weird in the beginning, you know? Mm-hmm. So how have you been after the last podcast? Like what, what feedback did you receive? What did you notice? Well, a lot of the people that watch my show listen to it and they, I'm not real open yet with my, the his, my history. And, um, like I said, it's hard for me to realize that people want to hear are interested in me. So I kind of put off telling my story and all that. And I keep telling them I'm going to do it. And, I just haven't gotten around to it. So it was, they, they appreciated listening to that podcast just because it, it was, you know, more about me and my channel. I'm always like pushing myself away. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So there you they got to see a little bit of you, a little bit of Jeff. And they, sounds like they appreciated that to see. Yeah, they, they liked it. Yeah, they definitely, they, uh, I told them I was going to do a, a second one and they, they asked, they like, make sure you send us the link, you know, so. so they're waiting for it (laughs) yeah Yeah. and how did you are you excited to be here again yeah yeah no i like to i like i told you before i podcast saved my life and i that's all i listen to now i don't watch tv or nothing so i i genuinely like the podcast so i I was interested in doing this so yeah it's it's cool it's a cool thing that's awesome Uh, it's good it's good to have you again jeff yeah, it's cool because it's like like you said, it's it's people reaching out to me. I'm not like reaching for anything. They're mm-hmm. just reaching out to me, which is which is cool. Right. So you're your own marketing. You're walking marketing. People see you and see you engaging with the people there in Kensington, and they're like, "Hey, we need to know more about this Jeff person." Yeah. Yep. It is good. And then, like I said, I'm gonna work on on going outside of Kensington soon. Here, um, different cities, stuff like that. Uh, I just got to do what I say I'm going to do. That's the, uh, I just got to shut up and do it. (laughs) Yeah. So how's the new year been treating you so far? What's, what's up? Any updates? Uh, Good. I'm just, I'm trying, 
you know, with my ADHD, um, and I'm not like making excuses. My whole life has been a challenge of being organized mm. and following through with stuff and like, you know, setting appointments and following through with them, being on time. And, and uh, so I'm trying, that's my goal now is I'm trying, I'm like really trying to be better at those things. Um, trying to be a little bit more professional. It's it's so hard, you know. I, you, you live your life so long, like one way, and like my head. I'm not taking. I'll never take ADHD medication again. I just I just don't want it. So it's like kind of trying to learn how to live with the symptoms or the effects of my ADHD, and like you know, try and make them positive if possible. But it's it's a struggle. I I, I ain't gonna lie about that. I. I don't know if I'll ever be fully organized, if that makes sense. The good thing is, you know, like there's the disorganization of the ADHD brain, because I got one myself. I know what it's like inside. <laughs> but on the good side, there's also a lot of creativity. And, you know, when people talk about creativity and artistic stuff, like I don't think I have any. That's the problem. I'm not a creative person. I'm trying to be. I don't buy it, Jeff. I mean, well, you're I, doing podcasts, you're going out there interviewing people and you're having all this charisma and yeah. people wanting to do the interviews with you. And you tell me you don't have creativity. I, it's maybe <laughs> I look at, maybe I look at, or I'm basing creativity just on like an artistic thing. Like, oh, I can't draw, or I can't paint. And I'm not giving myself enough credit for, you know, exactly. what yeah. I do. Yeah. Often we don't see ourselves, you know, in the light others see us in. Because I do yeah. see your creativity and you even got your own podcast room. You're, you're professionalizing, you know, you're really <laughs> making this a thing. I'm trying. I, I do. Um, I'm doing a live stream on my uh, with my channel twice a week, mm. about an hour a night. And it just gives me a, a chance to connect with all the people that watch and I get to talk to them. And we, it's normally an awesome, an awesome hour. And that's why I set this thing up and. You know, maybe it'll move over to podcast in the future. Like I said, I just set this little thing up to for the live streams. I'm glad I did, though, because it sounds a lot more professional. Like I had the green screen. It's not set up now. I have the green screen set up. And so there's fake backdrops and it just looks a lot and sounds a lot better. So sounds you're ready for the new year. You're all installed there and you got your professional room and better sound. So that's that's awesome, man. Yeah. I'm hoping that this year to go and do like a, a cool vacation somewhere. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and film it all, you know, with YouTube. Might go to Colombia for a month or Vietnam or just to get away someplace cheap and uh, just to have fun for a little bit. Uh, it's important to... to take some rest huh? because you're always out there and, you know, doing all these things. So sometimes it's good to reload. I haven't done anything like fun vacation-wise or anything, I can't tell you the last time. Um, really? That yeah, has changed this year, Jeff. It's important. Yeah, I don't even, I haven't been away since I got sober, I don't think. Mm -hmm. That's seven years I haven't gone on vacation. Damn. I was, I've been busy getting out of debt and working. It's not like I've been, uh -huh. you know, so, but now it's set up to where, you know, I, I, I can or, you know, do something fun. Right. Because then I'm sure... It's gonna like uh, turn into reality soon for you. Well, I, I was gonna do something crazy, but I just I, there's not enough time to get ready for it. Have you heard of the Appalachian Trail? Mm -hmm. It's the longest 
continuous trail on the planet, I think. It's like a 2,000-mile hike through the mountains in all up the east coast of America. It takes like five months to do it. Wow. I was this close to getting ready to go do it this year, but you have to leave in like February. That's the you know, time when they tell you to do it and you walk from Georgia all the way up to Maine. So there's not going to be time to do it this year, but I, I'm, I'm probably going to do it next year. It is, it's 2,000 miles of walking. It takes like five months. It'll be a pain in the ass, but I think it'll be something cool to do. That sounds like a cool challenge indeed. Like, yeah. Well, I always said if I was going to get sober, you know, when I got sober, that I want to do something fun or crazy like that, something challenging. Mm -hmm. I've never, I don't remember the last time I challenged myself to, you know, oh. do something. So it sounds like that's some some good stuff for the new year to to challenge yourself a little. Yeah, bit. yeah. Like I said, I don't, I'm, I can't do that long walk this year, but I, I want to find some other things right. I can right. do you know, and maybe plan on that next year. You know, mm -hmm. I'm still young, youngish. So we'll, you know, we'll figure it out. I just. Like I said, it's, I get all these huge ideas and, you know, in my head and just gotta do them. Normally I don't do them, but I do get great ideas. I just never really go pull through with them, but I'm gonna make sure I do it this That's year. That's a challenge uh, to actually implement them because we get so many ideas a day, but to actually do them, you know, that's, that's another story. Well, one of the things I do is I, even when I like want to take the day off and just relax, I'll be sitting here just relaxing and I'll be like, oh, you know what? I wonder if I wonder if someone needs gloves down in Kensington or I wonder if someone needs. And I always get in my car and I'll go start working mm -hmm. again right away. I'm like, you, mm -hmm. idiot, you just said you were going to relax today. So I got to get better at doing stuff like that. Hmm. So that sounds like you have some good intentions for this year. Yeah. I'm optimistic mm -hmm. for the year. I'm ready to have fun. You will. You know? Yeah, I just gotta be gotta be patient with it, and we'll we'll get there. Mm. Like so, I said, I just I wanna I love helping the people in Kensington, but I don't want to just focus right on that. You know, I don't want to mm. make my whole existence about Kensington. I don't. Right. I I got hyper focused on that area, uh -huh. and it definitely needs attention. And I'm not gonna like ignore it, and you know, nothing like that. But there's gotta be other stuff for me to do and learn and mm -hmm. explore and, right you know, people to help in other cities and other you know i can't i and i'm guilty of it myself because the kensington gets a lot of views mm -hmm. everybody watches the stuff so I'm, i'm guilty of it a little bit of just going there all the time and just doing the same thing but you know it, it I, i have to you know branch out and and you know do new stuff. I don't want it to be stagnant and just the same thing, uh -huh. which it has been the last couple months. It's just me yeah. driving around and interviewing. Him. A new year, a new round, new chances. And it sounds like you have a lot of stuff you want to do and like you're going to rebalance your energy and your focus a little bit. So you get time for other things as well. Huh? Yeah, well, part of my problem is, is like I with my time management. I'm horrible, absolutely horrible at it. I should be able to go down to Kensington maybe twice a week do everything I need to do, help out those two days, and then move on. Do something else the other five days, the other, you know, whatever it is. Mm. But I'm I'm not, those days that I'm not supposed to be down there, I find myself back down there. Or right. like someone will call me and they need help, or Amber, the one who's drumming, mm. she'll call me and say she's hurting or something, she needs help, and I'll just, I'll end up down there. And I just, I have to get better at that time management. That's like the 
focus for 2004. I've been working on time management since I've been in high school because I've always been horrible at it. So I don't know what's going to come of it, but I am going to make a an attempt to make it better. Mm -hmm. You have the intention, you know, you know, you want to be better at time management. So that's your intention, your goal for the year. Yeah. And hopefully we'll see how it works out, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll see how it works. All right. But, so, Jeff, we received a lot of questions from the listeners. What do you say that we go through some of those questions? Sure. All right. I don't know who sent them in, but I'm just going to follow the list that I received and just, you know, see where mm -hmm. we get. So the first question is, what has been the most surprising or eye-opening experience you've had while conducting interviews in Kensington? And how has it influenced your perspective on the area and its residents? That was a long-ass question. I can no. like, cut it into... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the answer to that is easy. It's the sores. It's the trank sores on people. Mm. And the smell of them when I'm interviewing them in the car. That is shocking. And it, it, um, I'm not used to that. You know, those those sores are all new now. So, like, dealing with those is... That's been the most eye-opening stuff because now you're not just a an addict stuck in addiction. You're, you're an addict with open, festering wounds that is going to kill you if you don't fix them, you know? And mm. and on top of that, they got to deal with the withdrawal if they stop using to go fix those wounds, you know? So it's... That's been the most eye-opening thing is, is just how, how much harder it is to be a heroin addict or a fentanyl addict. And it's so much worse than it used to be because of that, the trank. And how is that for you? Because you come from the other side. You've been there yourself in the same shoes. How is it for you now to, you know, look at it from the other side? Well, I never did the fentanyl or trank. I left right before this stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So seeing this stuff, it just makes me like really not want to ever touch it. You know, it really grosses me out, which, you know, I appreciate that it does gross me out and I don't want to mm -hmm. do it. That's been pretty much... You know, what I've taken of is like, man, I got out. I got to stop drugs right at the right time, you know? Mm. I, and when I stopped, the fentanyl and trank were there like a month later. Like, I just missed it, which... Wow. So you, you know, got a bit just in time, huh? Yeah, just in time. So another question we got from the listeners is, um, we heard about your recovery journey. And now we want to understand the journey that led you to addiction. What do you think were the underlying reasons or factors that led to your addiction? Were there any specific triggers or life events that contributed to it? That This question is always really hard for me. Um, I just like the way drugs feel. I love getting high. Yeah, <laughs> those do. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I just liked partying when I was younger. And, and, you know, you just, you progress to harder drugs and you don't really understand what's, you know, the repercut repercussions of what you're doing. You know, you might hear it, but you're like, oh, that's not me. I won't. So looking back, I mean, I come from a great family. I always had everything I needed. You know, I didn't get beat. I didn't, I just like getting high. I love partying. And, you know, before I knew it, I was too deep into it. I was already, you know, hooked on Percocets and painkillers. And I don't say there was no triggers for me. I didn't get, you know, raped and, you know, I didn't get molested and, you know, which are all 
you know, serious things that happen to people that they turn to drugs to hide that stuff. None of that really happened to me. I just, I just really love getting high. You can ask me what the greatest feeling I've ever felt was right now. And it's the first time I shot up heroin and that's not going to change. I already know that. Like I'll never feel something better than that. I don't think. Mm -hmm. That's what Almost a lot of people say, uh, that heroin, that's like the, you know, sublime yeah. experience the first time. Yeah, I mean, all the pain it's caused me, everything I've lost from it, I'd still readily admit it's the greatest feeling I've ever had in my life. Mm. You know, I like getting high. It's just, I, I, you don't realize when you're young how bad you're fucking your life up until it's already fucked up. So, yeah, I, there's no really, like, life events or, you know, I didn't, like, Dad didn't die. You know, no, no, no crazy things happen. I just, I just like getting high. And do you think in a way you were self-medicating because you said you have ADHD and your brain is kind of, you know, disorganized. Do you think that had to do something with it? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I honestly just think I enjoyed getting high. I mean, it could have played a part in it. I don't, I don't know. I just, just like getting high, man. I just love the feeling. Of it. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, I don't want, I'm not trying to like minimize off it's just i liked partying when i was younger a lot yeah and it goes easy huh? you go partying and everyone uses something and you try it and you like it and you try the next thing and that's how it's, it goes huh when i moved here to the philadelphia area when i was 15 and turning 16 and i i met this kid mikey i'm still friends with him but he was a uh, probably the last person on the planet my mom wanted me to be friends with when i moved here you know mm -hmm. And I started selling drugs with him almost right away. So I always had drugs around me and I was always, and I did it just to meet people, to be friends with people, you know? And I just always had drugs around me and money and it just, you know, I like partying and I just progressed. I just moving on to the next drug, you know? Hi, that's how it goes, huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like I had a lot of money, so it's, you know, when you love drugs and you have a lot of money, that's not a good... Uh, not a good combination. Mm -hmm. No, not at all. So, next question. Is there anything you wish more people understood about addiction? I wish people could get high on a safe supply and live their lives like that. I, I don't... The war on drugs, prohibition, I don't think any of that stuff works, man. So, mm. I, I just... I don't think addiction or using drugs ever going to go away. I just think we need to make a, a safe way for people to get high. We do it for beer. We don't admit, it's not safe, but everyone, you can buy beer at every corner bar in America yeah. or the world. I just think, you know, drugs like, I know it's kind of shocking to hear, but I think heroin and crack should be available. Cocaine should be available for people to safely use if they want to. Yeah. Adults, you know. Yeah, because people are going to use it anyway. They find a way to get their hands on it, you know, so it's not something we can stop. Well, our, the American government fought the war on drugs so hard, like it almost forced dealers to go to fentanyl. It's our own government's own fault what happened here, you know. They messed with the supply, but the demand was always there. Right. So the supply just, you know, if you can't get it once by, it comes too expensive. You know, this is a capitalist world. They're going to find a better source. And, and then you're going to get all these crazy stuff like the fentanyl and the crocodile. And I don't know what, you know, like the crazy shit is going to enter the scene. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, that's what I just, my only thing with addiction is it's not going away. And I think we should let people get high safely and in peace. Right. 
Because it's know. always been there, huh? It's and it's not. It's never gone away. Yeah, I was watching a video I just found on YouTube the other day, and it was about North Philly in 1998. They used to call it the Badlands, and it was. I have like PTSD just thinking about it now from the cops beating us up and just. Mm -hmm. It was just such a shitty time, and we're talking '97. That's what 30 years ago, or whatever it is. So like, you can watch those videos, and you can go to Kensington today, and nothing's changed. It's worse. Like, so what was all the, all that money, resources, use wasted? It was all wasted because it's just 10 times worse now. You know, I just wish we could get a safe supply of drugs to people and let them get high in peace. In the ideal world, that's what you would like to see. Yeah, well, I know I'd also like to see people be able to like go out and pursue their dreams and enjoy life. And life's hard, you know. Not everyone can do that, you know. Some people, uh, you know, just gonna get high their whole lives. It's sad, but at the end of the day, it's their life. True. Everyone you know? can live their own life, and you know, everyone gets to deal at one point or another with some type of addiction. You know, we're all human. Yeah, I, mine is uh, soda right now. I, I can't stop drinking soda. Which one? Uh, I, whatever, Coke, Pepsi, <laughs> anything. <laughs> All those sugars, sugar rush. Soda. Yeah, <laughs> sugars and 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 masturbating. Excuse my language, but like those are my addictions. Uh -huh. like you're right. It goes from one thing to the to the yes, uh, yes. Not, Especially you with know? an ADHD brain, we just swap addic addictions. You know, it, it doesn't seem yeah. we're addicted, but there's something every time. You know, when you still. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 100%, you know, but mm -hmm. so now it's just like trying to find a, a, a little bit healthier of a, an addiction. At least I go to the gym. That's also a very good uh, habit, you know, the healthier habits, addictions. So yep. for the people that, you know, want to move out of an addiction, what are the strategies or approaches that are most helpful for you in staying on the path of recovery? Uh, that's a tough one. I think it's different for everybody, you know? Mm. Everyone is different in addiction and recovery. When I got clean, I, I threw away my old computer, my old Facebook, my old cell phones, and I moved to a different town and I just started over. Mm -hmm. Even people that I used to associate with back when I was getting high, even if they weren't like getting high, I still don't even really talk to them. That part of my life is over, you know? Why go back to that? relive it or so i just like one of my things i say is like if is you know change locations is always an awesome thing but you got to remember you're taking you wherever you move to mm. so you got to be careful with that but you know when i got clean if i would have went right back to philadelphia i wouldn't i wouldn't be here right now i'd be you know i'd still be getting high wow so moving out of that city was an important thing for me to do. Yeah, one yeah. of the best moves you could make and really get yourself physically out of there and start, you know, a new yeah. place. Where I moved to, if I would want to go down to the city before I got my car, it was like an hour train ride. I had to walk to the train station, wait. So it's a process to get back to the city, you know? So even if I wanted to go, I'd still have an hour to like talk myself out of it. Mm. That never happened. I never had the urge to go and get high again. But... You know, having those, you know, the the drugs as far away from me as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, 
when I got clean and I left the city, I, I didn't go back to Kensington until I started the channel. I ignored it all for six years. I didn't even, I just pretended it didn't exist. And I think that was important for me to do. How long did it actually take you to get clean? I think it was, no, it was 2015. I was in and out of the psych ward. I think I spent like 200 days in the psych ward that year. I mean, I was in it a lot. I I was swore myself up and down. That's when I was done getting high. But it took like another two years to finally, you know, saying you're going to get clean and actually doing it. It's, you know, they're so wildly or far apart. Like it took me a couple of years to when I said I was really done getting high to actually stop and use it. I know that sounds crazy, but, you know, it, it, it took a while. Mm hmm. You really have to be done with it, you know, and yeah. needs to go off in your head like, okay, this is it. I'm not, I'm really going to do it until then, you know, people are going to fall back and relapse and try and, but not really. And it takes a yeah. while to really do it. huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was like I said, I, I kept going to the same rehab, same psych ward and they would send me right back to Philadelphia mm. or they'd ask me where I want to go. And I'd say, I want to go back to, you know, Philly. And I, I knew I was going back there to get high, you know, but yeah. I would tell them I'm going to do good, yeah, mm -hmm. whatever. But just by me saying I want to go back to my old, you know, where I used to live was, I was pretty much admitting I was going to get high again. Right, yeah. When I was in a, a rehab this last time when I got clean, uh, a couple of my friends died because they were, uh, fentanyl had just started coming out. Ah, yeah. I was in rehab and it was three people I know died. And my mom you know, was kind of flipping out. She was upset. She knows one of the kids well. And she like begged me to take that. Viv Have you heard of Vivitrol? It's a opiate blocker. It's a shot you take once a month. Mm -hmm. And you can't get high. I know you can like drink heroin. Like after you take wow. the shot, opiates just don't work anymore. Okay. So, and you have to take it every month. And my mom was begging me to take it. And I just, just shut her up. I was like, all right, I'll do this shot. And then I was like, why would I go back to Philly if I can't get high, you know? Yeah. And then the one nurse at the rehab was like, uh, I can get you a, a bed at a recovery house in, um, in Bucks County, where I live now. And she's mm -hmm. like, I'll get you a bed today if you want. And I was like, you know what? Just send me up there. And they dropped me off up there and I've been sober since, you know? Wow. Yeah. That's really a good accomplishment. Yeah. Do you ever regret it? No. Uh, mm -hmm. um, I was genuinely done with getting high when I, when I came up here, I was, I was tired. Uh, no, I don't regret it at all. It, it's a, there's, that life is, it's so chaotic and yeah, I mean, I love getting high, but just all the shit that came with it just got way too much. It was just, you know, it was just too much. I, I don't regret it at all. I'm, I'm glad I did what I did. You know, I looking back and. You know, I say now, man, I wish I would have done it when I was 25 or, you know, 24, 30 even. But, you know, that's life. Mm. But, yeah, I'm glad, definitely glad I did it. Yeah, because, you you know, not everyone reaches that position where you are at now, you know. So you're yeah. free in that sense. Yeah, I mean, if we can go back and look at all my friends I used to shoot heroin with, and I'm the only one still alive. Wow. Had about 15 of us in my old high school. I'm literally the only one still alive. 
And it's funny too because everyone said I was the only one that would never get clean out of all. Ah, yeah, so you <laughs> proved them all wrong. <laughs> no, I'm the I'm the I'm the only one standing. The last man standing. Yeah. So but now you're yeah. doing something good with it, huh? Like you trying to. Yeah. Yeah. Using it for the better. Yes. So another question from the listeners. They say, Hey Jeff's high on life. What challenges do you face while filming in such a harsh environment? And how do you cope with the emotional impact of witnessing human suffering? One of the immediate dangers is getting robbed down there. My car is known. Um, they know I have camera equipment. They know I have a lot of stuff to hand out. So I have to have my wits about me down there at all times about stuff like that. A lot of the people down there, they know me well now and they like defend me and they, they like stick up for me and they, they know I'm like an ally to them. They don't want to lose it. That's been cool seeing people like stick up for me and stuff. But yeah, North Philly is a, a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous place to be. Um, that's not going to change. So. You know, learning to do this in North Philly with expensive stuff in my car is, and I'm a convicted felon in the state. I can't carry a gun. Mm. It's Philadelphia. Everyone carries guns. I could, I'm not trying to go to jail for two years, so I don't. But that that's something you definitely have to be aware of in America and especially Philadelphia. Mm is is stuff like that is is get that's the only time i'm really worried is is you know getting robbed stuck up gun in my face i had a gun pulled on me a couple months ago but i was able to kind of like talk myself out, you know kind of mm -hmm. settle things down so that gets a little nerve-wracking down there right it's not without risk huh no definitely not you know people are are poor down there and they they want money and they're you know they won't do a lot of stuff for money and You know, my car can be a mark, and I, I just gotta uh, remember that and just be careful. Nothing's happened like that, but I, I am aware that can happen at any day. You know, any uh -huh. second. You always gotta be on guard, you know, because it's yeah. not the regular type of neighborhood. You always have to be prepared. Phil North Philadelphia might be the roughest neighborhood in all of America. I don't know That's if it gets cool. rougher than that. So yeah, you definitely have to be careful. You know, there, you hear gunshots down there all the time. I saw someone get stabbed yesterday. I had just watched them get stabbed. Mm. So it's not really an area where tourists can freely walk around, huh? No, I mean, you can, but <laughs> I wouldn't bring your At your own risk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I also walk down Kensington Ave at midnight with a camera, you know, filming and nothing's happened. So... I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but I just have to be aware that it can happen at any second. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's also people asking how they can help. They are asking, is there a way for us to donate so these poor souls can get clothes and food? Like, what would be the way to? So help? I have a, um I have a GoFundMe on my YouTube channel and an Amazon Prime. Those are the two ways I get money to buy donations and stuff like that uh and like gas and stuff like that but you know i have a, a bunch of stuff like tents and hats and gloves stuff like that on my amazon wish list that people buy and mm -hmm. I, i like to hand that stuff out i like I, you've seen my pictures of my car before it's usually stocked with stuff to hand out 
Um, and a good amount of it comes from the Amazon wish list, but a bunch of it I buy myself. And I, I do that with the GoFundMe money that uh, people send me. That's for gas and um, and uh, donations and stuff to hand out. And then like the clothes and stuff, I usually just get people donating that, uh, the clothes and stuff. To me, the stuff that gets expensive is the wound care and uh, wound care, stuff like that, um, that that I, I buy in a lot. So many people have these wounds on their bodies and it's... Uh, so like almost everybody I interview or talk to needs some kind of wound care stuff for mm. their their body. And I don't like just doing the interview and not having stuff to give them, you know? I, I feel like they just sat in my car and, you know, told me all about their life and they were real vulnerable. And the least I could do is, is, is give them, you know, some stuff to, you know, I, I pay them for the interviews and they appreciate that. But on top of that, you know, I, I like to give them, you know, fresh socks, fresh underwear, uh, all the girls, what I, I have in my car are these, um, the fleece lined yoga pants, like those, uh, stretchy pants. Mm. And so whenever the girls see me, they'll run up, oh, can we, and I'll get new ones and they'll change into the, you know, the, the newer tights and they, they love that, you know, it's, oh. it's real dehumanizing when you're wearing the same outfit for three mm -hmm. weeks in a row, you know? So I, mm -hmm. I try to do the little things to like, to make them feel a little bit more human a lot of the girls had to get their hair cut because of lice down there mm. so i i usually have about three or four different wigs in my car if they want longer hair you know every woman wants to look pretty so you know they can look at the wigs they can pick one out and wow you even have like wigs you're all prepared you have yoga pants yeah. you have wigs you have all kinds of gears and outfits yeah. and kits in there to to give them what they need huh yeah, but that, like, like I said, a lot of the girls have their head shaved because of the matted hair and the and the, the lice down there. The truth of the matter is all the women down there, they make money by escorting, by prostitution. So, mm. you know, they want to look good as possible. Yeah. So, you know, it's a $25 wig, you know. That's what they cost, $25, $30 just to make them look better. It's, mm. you know, I don't mind doing it. I like it. You have a good heart, Jeff. Thank you. Try mm. Wonderful to be able to do something back because you were once in that position too, and now you're on the other side. And you can yeah. give those people a little bit of humanity, a little bit of comfort, a little help when they need it. Absolutely. Just it's not even. It's just like trying to like let them know that they're still a human being, and they don't. They don't. You know. Mm -hmm. They. They. It's. They should. They deserve to have a clean pair of underwear on. You know. Those just little things can make a big difference, huh? Yeah. I just got a message from Jess, one of the girls I interviewed. She just had 11 months sober uh, two days ago. Wow. wow. Yeah. And then the other guy, Jim, he'll have a year uh, sober uh -huh. next month. And then another girl, Liz, I've been working with, uh, she disappeared a couple months ago. We couldn't find her. She got sober and she's up at a halfway house up in the mountains. Wow. We've gotten some good... Uh, some positive stuff um recently about people getting better you know so not a lot of them but it's you know some people are getting right getting and it's really better. wonderful to hear that there are some people who actually do it you know they take yeah. leap and they get clean and it they actually make it and even if it's one out of the i don't know how many but that's one more soul saved you know and it is possible that it gives hope to people 
Yeah, it definitely does. You know, I wish I could have more to show. Uh, more people get sober, but I know how hard it is, man. Uh-huh. It's funny. I, I was just um, on Facebook. I am in contact with a lot of the people I went through rehab with. Mm. I'm the only one still sober from. Really? Only one, yeah, that stayed sober since then. There's a couple people that, you know, messed up, went back into rehab. They mm -hmm. might have like a year clean now, six months. But yeah, I'm the only one. That just to show you how how bad the uh, the numbers are with people right. getting Right, and it's really hard uh, because life is not easy, and with all these things hitting us, you know, Corona and financial stress and job stress, relationship stress, it's very easy yeah. to you know get tempted again and be back on that road. Yeah, I didn't. I I still I downplayed COVID's role in in everything um, a lot. I didn't realize how much I I isolated during it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize how, how much I isolated even now. And it's from the COVID era. Like even when everything yeah. opened back up, I still am isolated. Exactly. I had the same. I don't like it, but I'm also comfortable doing it. Mm -hmm. We get used to it, huh? <laughs> We're well yeah. trained. Which yeah. <laughs> and it's like the other day I wanted to go do something. And I didn't feel like doing it by myself. I forget what it was. Something stupid. And I'm like... And I went, I'm like thinking, I'm like, you don't even have anyone to call. Yeah, no friends to call right now. Like I had, you know, but just, I was like, you don't even have someone to call just to go. I, I think I wanted to go film uh, something in South Philly or whatever. Just, you know, didn't feel like going by myself. And it's like, I had no one to call that. It's like, man, you really did isolate yourself that much back then. And it's, yeah, it's still to this day, it's still affecting me. I didn't realize how bad it was, the isolation from COVID. Yeah. Um, you know, seeing how it affected me, you know, and I'm sober through it. I can only imagine like how a, a you know, an addict when they were, their minds already messed up, how, how they had to, to deal with this isolation. And I, I think that was even worse than the virus itself. The isolation the people getting disconnected, having to stay indoors, all that fear, all the lines that suddenly changed, you know, and the aftermath, like, like you say, still right now, there's this sense of, oh, you know, I don't have many friends and, you know. Absolutely. And I'm not trying to, like, minimize COVID in any way. Like, I am, I'm a science person. I, you know, it really happened. A lot of people really died. It just, you know, you look back at it now, it's like, did we overreact? Did we have to lock down like that? Did we have to, did so many businesses have to, you know, close for good? You know, it happened. Hmm. nothing to do now it's just like you know you, you look back and you just see all the collateral damage to to hmm. it and it just it's sad it's unfortunate hmm. yeah let's see i think i'm almost through the question list there's one maybe this one is nice to wrap up with because it's not so heavy as all the other questions <laughs> okay this question is um what has been your most viewed video to date and why do you think it resonated so well with the audience so i'll tell you that right now hold on <laughs> um, Are you gonna look it up? <laughs> yeah, it's easy. I did. So it's the um, it's an Amber video. Amber video. It's got like almost two hundred thousand views. It was the first video I did with her. Uh huh. Um, and Amber is like the famous one down there. She mm -hmm. always does interviews, so she always gets the most views. Uh, a lot of people like to watch her just because it's a train wreck, you know? Uh -huh. And I have become like such close friends with her just from interviewing her now, you know? Uh, 
she's such a sweetheart and i you know i appreciate her putting herself out there all the time you know but it, it is sad to see her because you can go back in my videos with her and just see the decline i'm looking at the thumbnail picture of her she's about 35 pounds heavier and just a lot healthier and that in a year she's lost probably i'd say 40 pounds and she just she looks bad she looks horrible mm. so that's the hard part of it is, you know, when you go back and look at the older interviews of the people I'm dealing with is you can see the decline in their physical appearance and their, it, it's, yeah. it's shocking to see how fast it happens too. Mm. But yeah, Amber's always the number one. I have a couple of uh, shorts, one with over a million views from her, mm. you know, stuff like that. But yeah, she's definitely the, the most popular. I try and not, you know, people always asking me to interview her more and more and do this. And it's tempting for me to do it. I already feel like I interview her too much because it gets so many views and I can make money off it. So the temptation's there. But like at the same time, like my whole thing is I don't want to exploit people. So it's like try not to exploit her. But she also calls me to do the interviews. She uh -huh. would rather do an interview than go do a, a date. I know I'm going to make the money back. So I don't mind doing the interviews with her. It just, it can get frustrating. And the frustrating part is, is reading the comments about her. Mm. Um, which I, I, when I post her videos, I don't even read the comments anymore. Really just it's people can be real. Now, now don't get me wrong. People love her and they send her a lot of stuff and people are nice to her, but the assholes to her can be real assholes. And mm. it's, it's hard to deal with. Cause yeah. I truly care yeah. about her. You no. Know? Yeah. Yeah, that must be hard to read. Yeah, they say some awful things about her, you know. So it's hard to read those things sometimes. She's a she's a sweetheart. She's just she's real deep in addiction. I I don't know how much longer she's going to be alive, and that's the hard part. She her mm. body is breaking down fast, and you know, mm. so that's hard to see. She keeps saying she's going to go to rehab, but you know, mm. you know, so she is deep in the trenches. There, it's going to take a miracle to get her out. Right. I'll say this real quick. The girl Liz I just interviewed, you know, in the beginning um, that I just found out, she's up in the mountains at a, a halfway house doing good. She was down there for 13 years. Um, right. So there are still miracles, you know? Yeah. There is, you know, so there is hope with that. The the girl Teal I interview, um, she was missing for three years from her family. And I got her them back in touch. She's talking to her mom on a regular basis now. And you know, that's been one of the coolest things about the, the channel is getting people. And kind of what I've been focusing on lately is people that lost touch with their families. I, I try to get talk to them and say, look, it's okay for you to be down here getting high and still check in with your family every once in a while. So I have been getting people to, you know, get back in touch with their families, which has mm -hmm. been the, that's been like my favorite thing. Right, that's a beautiful thing if you can, you know, arrange that. That's that's wonderful. Yeah, a couple people, like four years, uh, they went out without talking to their families. Uh, six mm -hmm. years was Haley. I got her back in touch with her mom. So, you know, that that's a cool part of it. But then the, the, the heartbreaking part is after they finally get back in touch with them, then I have to, you know, bring them back down to earth and say, no, they're probably not going to get clean. A lot of the family members are like, oh, okay, they're clean. Or I'm talking mm -hmm. to them now, let's get them to rehab. I'm like, no, they, they, they never said they wanted rehab. They just said they yeah. were talking, you know, expectations. All right, all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. This is Some Bases Covered. I'm Penny. And if you want to subscribe and follow, then that's great. 
We'll also be posting the link to the GoFundMe. Please check out Jeff's High on Life on YouTube. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.